You're listening to the Women of Worth podcast with Vicki Jacoby. Follow Vicki as she ponders anew the women of the Bible, the well-known and also the little-known. Women of Worth is not only a fresh look at scores of interesting biblical characters, but also a source of inspiration for daily Christian living. Today, Vicki looks at Mary, the mother of Jesus. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes. Now here's today's teaching. This is the new podcast series entitled Women of Worth or Wow. Truly, these studies are going to show us exceptional women in the Bible. And the first one we are going to look at today is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Surely she is one of the most well-known women in the Bible and in all of history. I've enjoyed for many years having what I call encounters with Mary through the scriptures. The narrative started and it just goes on and we see a young woman, maybe about 15 years old, all the way through her life to maybe say 45, 50. And she's one of the few women we see her entire life. Often we just, we interject into someone's life and we see a little snippet. But with Mary, we get to see her entire life and truly it's amazing. My encounters with her started about 30 years ago. At the time, I was faced with a move to a city that I didn't want to go to, a move from to a country, really, that I didn't want to go to at the point. At that point, I was living in Sweden, in Stockholm, and I loved the city. And I was being what I felt like forced to move, to make a decision that really wasn't mine. And it involved us, my husband and myself, and our two children that we had at that time. I really felt like I enjoyed the fellowship. I'd given my heart to the girls there. I tried to learn the language. I'd had a child in a foreign country. And some of those things had just really bonded me with a wonderful place. And maybe you relate to that. Sometimes you've less loved someone than you loved. And then you have to change your plans or change your ideas. I felt it was a place where I felt safe. I felt felt respected as a young mom. And it really wasn't in my plan. And it first felt that it was unfair and it was unjust and it was at the whim of somebody else higher up the chain making a decision. And I hadn't been consulted. And maybe that was the thing that irked me the most. You know, I felt, and maybe you felt this, that your opinion doesn't count for anything. And inwardly, I was screaming. And yet outwardly, I was crying But it came to the time where I needed to sell and sort and pack for moving to America or to what I called the new world, which I didn't feel was so new and exciting. The truth is, surrendering to someone else's plan doesn't come easy to me. And I started to question God. Where are you in all of this? Why wasn't I rescued? Surely I deserve this. What about me? I often ask that question, or what's the point? Where are we going? Where's God in all of this? And these two refrains have repeated themselves throughout my life. I'm now 61 years old, and I still have this refrain going in my life, what's the point? But it's a point for me now to take action and listen, because there's some discontent there. And discontent doesn't always mean that you're wrong, or that you're sinning, or that something's... um, 
not correct in your thinking, but it's a starting point. And I realized that it's okay sometimes to ask questions, but it's not okay really to question God. And that's where I go. That's my nature. Um, I didn't grow up in a faith-believing family. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian culture. And so it's always been hard for me to trust God when I don't understand. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, that talks about lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. For me, if I understand it, it's easy. But when I don't understand something or it doesn't make sense, hmm, moving forward really takes me trusting in God. Sometimes it's when we're in trouble or just when we're praying. But we can become, or I think sometimes as women, we can become a little questioning and cynical. Anyway, I found myself in this place. The Packers were coming. Doug, my husband, needed me to sort of get my act together. And I was kicking and screaming um, inside, but it was coming outside. I had a horrible attitude. I really wasn't happy at all. And he finally said, I don't think he knew what to do. He said, Vicky, take your Bible, go in this room and sort yourself out. Now, some of you may be going, oh, what a terrible thing to say. But the truth is, I was in an absolute pickle. I was just at a terrible point and there was nothing that was going to sort me out but the word of God. And maybe you've been there. It doesn't matter what got you there, but you know you're stuck. You know, oh my goodness, I'm fighting the wrong battle. So I very defiantly took my Bible and probably marched into this other room And I sat down and I'm thinking, what's the point? Everything I've wanted has not come true. God's against me. The world's against me. The church that I was working for, they're against me. And I was just really, really unhappy. So I opened up to Luke chapter one because I thought I loved the book of Luke. And I was like, "Mm, what difference or what is it going to make? And I'm going to share with you a lesson that for me today, I learned from the scriptures It's kept me going through thick and thin. And I call it a life lesson because it was really a life-changing moment. So I'm going to share and read a little bit from Luke chapter 1 because I'm going to look at Mary and Zechariah when they both have a plan, but God comes in and challenges them and changes their minds and offers them a different opportunity. And so it's a little bit of reading, but sometimes we know the text, but we miss things. So Luke chapter 1. Verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both well advanced in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, 
He was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. Many of the people of Israel will be brought back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, Uh, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When this time of service was completed, he returned home, and after this his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This was the announcement told to Zechariah. And now we come along to the announcement that we are usually more familiar with about Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Uh, How how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since uh, I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Or in the NIV version, verse 37 says, For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. 
So this was a passage that I read after finding myself in this absolute bind. And it spoke to me so loud and clearly. There was a difference in the response to the angel. Mary's response, she's looking, she asks a question, but she was looking for clarification. And she says, how will this be? She has believed in the vision that the angel has just laid out to her, that God has for her. Mary had a plan for her life. She was going to marry Joseph. But that wedding hadn't taken place. Yet God, through his angel, gives her this vision. And she welcomes it. She wants clarification. And she asks, well, mm, how's it going to happen? You know, how can this be? But there's this willingness to accept and to surrender that there is a new plan. Well, shall we say a vision that's going to involve a new plan at foot. Zechariah, on the other hand, he is told something that's quite remarkable and something he has wanted his whole life. But it's much more believable what he's told than what Mary has told. But I really think Zechariah has had just a hard time. It's been years they've wanted a child. He's been disappointed. And he's a little jaded. And he asks the question, in a sense, what that spoke to my attitude of what's the point or what about me? He's like, hmm, how can I be sure of this? To me, this is so different and so significant in the approach of these two people. And it shows us so much about the heart of Mary. It also tells me a little bit about what it's like as we get older. Zechariah is clearly older. Mary is much younger. And he's jaded. He's disappointed. Life has been hard. And things haven't gone his way. And he wasn't, he got a plan. He was doing his temple duty and he thought, that's all I need to do is sort of check in and check out. Sometimes we just feel like if I just go to the church services, that's all I need to do. Or I'll just make a phone call or I'll just check in and I'll say I'm doing fine. Or I'll read my Bible and I'll pray, but it's a token effort. And you get the feeling that even though Zechariah was actually chosen to go and make the incense offering, it was one for prayer, that he didn't really have any expectation that was going to make any difference in his life. And here he is before the throne of God. He's in the Holy of, well, not the Holy of Holies, but he's as close as you humanly can get at this point to being able to connect with God and he's just downhearted about the plan. And so when this angel comes and gives him a vision, he's not able to accept it. He's critical. He's cynical. And you get the point. I mean, Gabriel's like, I am Gabriel. I mean, he's a little ticked off. <laughs> I think probably God was too. And maybe sometimes you realize I'm on the wrong side here because of where my attitude is sitting or where things have landed. Well, this encounter was a great starting point for me. Just as I realized and I could sort of compare and contrast, how can this be versus how will this be? It started to work. The word of God is powerful and it works on our hearts. And it really 
was a life-changing moment for me. I started to realize that it's like the glass, the proverbial glass that's half, is it half full or is it half empty? Zechariah has the half empty approach and Mary has the half full approach. How will this be? My approach then to this problem, this where I was stuck, it's like this was going to happen. We were going to move. And maybe you found yourself in a situation where you just, you're, you're asking that same question, what's the point? Or maybe you're at church and you hear the preacher say, the best is yet to come. And you're like, really? Or you know you're growing weary of doing good. Life sometimes just feels dreary. Sometimes you go to church. I know for me, I've done this where I feel like the leaders are just trying to motivate me um, to, to volunteer for their ideas and their projects and their plans. Um, you know, I've been through all sorts of things over being around churches for over 40 years, from small groups to community groups to life stages, women's Bible study, service projects, children's ministry, life coaching, mentoring, hospitality, hosting showers, making meals, helping with those who are seriously ill or the death and dying ministry. And someone said, "This, what's your dream for God? And they're like, why? Just enjoy the journey. We'll do it together. And it just feels that it's become dreary and it's become dull. And I think this is what had happened to Zechariah. He had opportunities, but the disappointments, I think he had prayed. And sometimes we pray for something for such a long time and nothing seems to happen. And we wonder, is God working or does he hear my prayers? And at the appointed time, we have to have this patience to know that they will be answered, but it may not be in the way we expected. Zechariah clearly wasn't expecting an answer from the angel Gabriel for his prayers. And when it's put before him, he's skeptical. Mary, though, what a difference. You know, she's just, she's young, but she understood the times. She sees this opportunity. She understands God's vision because I really believe she's rooted in the Old Testament scriptures. And when you look at her life, and we'll look at another lesson on her about that shows her relationship with God, she's so much like Hannah in the Old Testament. And so here's this young girl full of vibrant energy. She's got a plan, but now she's got a vision and it's God's vision. You know, it's amazing when you think what happens to her at this point. She now has got a huge adventure in front of her. And I really think this being able to ex- accept God's vision is why God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, and not Elizabeth, who came from a priestly family. There have also been other times in my life when I feel like God is silent. And it's interesting to me when I think about this lesson learnt by Zechariah is that his faithlessness at this point 
God makes him quiet. And we know he probably is quiet for about a year. He's silent. He can't speak. And he comes out of the temple and the people are clear that he's seen a vision and he's gesticulating and he's he's trying to communicate to them. And they're like, something amazing has happened. But maybe if you're feeling like God is silent or you're silent or your life doesn't count, we feel that sometimes. But check your heart because that's where I was. I was like Zechariah. I'm like, how can this be? How can I be sure? How do you know? And I was questioning the nature of God. That is never a good place to be because nothing is impossible with God, as we already read. But the cynicism, the disappointments, the things that have gone wrong in our lives, or the things not going the way we had intended, or the plan doesn't seem to be unfolding the way we expected, we are out of our comfort zone, we are out of our emotional zone. And I think, you know, sometimes we expect other people to meet our emotional needs. That's what I was expecting Doug to do. He didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I needed. When we get to that point, it's so important that we turn to the word of God. We turn to God because God is the one who can meet our emotional needs. Scripture is written. We have this wealth of wisdom from history that shows us what human nature is. And we can understand how we can get in these places. But truly, God is the one who can bring us out with his word. So I had to stop asking myself, how can this be? Because Clearly, God was going to shut me up. He was going to silence me. And that's what he does for Zechariah. And it's probably for a year, because if you think about it, he's at the temple doing his two-week service. He then has to go home, and Elizabeth has to become pregnant. And then afterwards, it's only at the naming ceremony that he finally is able to speak. So I'm stretching it a little bit, but it's the best part of a year that he was silent. And during that year, he had to observe all kinds of amazing things going on. He would have had another chance to go and serve at the temple because it was traditionally that they did it twice a year, the priestly group. And then he would have had Mary come and visit Elizabeth. And you can imagine their conversation. And we'll look at that, their relationship. It's so wonderful and dynamic and filled with just so much joy. And all of that he can't join in. He was silenced. And so sometimes I have to ask myself that question. Have I been questioning God and his ability? Is that why things seem flat or dreary or a little bit dull? Because maybe he's just needed to clamp me down a little bit because my faithlessness can affect other people. At the same time, we look at Mary's faithfulness. It inspires so much. It goes on, her encounters with Elizabeth, as we said, later we see her in the temple, with Joseph having this child, with the Magi. It just goes on and on. And we see the incredible faithfulness of this young woman. And I think fear can also play a part. I mean, clearly everyone's afraid. The angel says, do not be afraid. Um, It's out of the ordinary. It's miraculous. 
And yet God interacts with us. He doesn't ignore us. And sometimes I think we are in this time when we are wrestling, we need to find the parallels. Look to another character. And yet as we look to Mary, truly she is a wow woman. She's a woman of worth. She's Yes, she's a young girl. And then ask ourselves a question. Am I questioning God or am I asking for clarification? When I hear something that's challenging, do I respond with how will this be? Or, hmm, oh no, how can I be sure of this? When a different plan is put before me and it's not my plan, am I open to perhaps that is God's vision for moving forward for something extraordinary? Because he's working in our life. But sometimes we get so caught up with what I've thought or what I'm doing or what I think is important that we might miss these incredible opportunities. Maybe on occasion, we've just got ourselves in a little bit of a pit and we just need to go and open up the word of God. You have a favorite book. You have a favorite chapter. There's a place where you find solace and comfort. And I encourage you, maybe it's Luke chapter one, but wherever you are, just sit down. Go and read one chapter of God's word and whatever you're wrestling with in your life or whatever you're feeling, it will speak to you. This to me is the life-giving blood of the word. It's changing, it's challenging, but at the same time, it's exciting. So for me, this is just the first one in a series that we'll look at in Mary, about Mary. This was a wonderful encounter that I had that changed the direction of my emotions, changed the direction of how I was going to function and move forward when I was truly stuck by asking the question, how will this be? Versus how can I be sure of that? We hope you enjoyed Vicky's teaching on Women of Worth. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave a review on the podcast platform you tuned in from. Those reviews help to make sure that more people can discover the value of the Women of Worth podcast. Thank you again for listening.